The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I hope I can convey what a rich blessing it is to be here today. And I want to praise the Lord for this blessed opportunity to worship with you all. I actually pray that the time we look at the, the Word of God, that it might be blessed as it was when Elder Mike spoke and throughout the singing, that we might learn from His Word and that we might glean truth that is helpful in our lives and encourages us Amen. in this life that we live. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 18. Gospel of Luke chapter 18. And as you're turning there, I'll just mention, I, I sure good to have Brother Chris out to the West Coast to be with us and Lindsay. Thankful for your pastor and the encouragement he's brought our way. And just thankful to have this opportunity, brother, to worship with you again. Luke 18, and just to, to set the stage, and then I'd like to look at some examples uh, of this, I believe, given in the same account of this gospel and starting in verse 9, Jesus speaks a parable. And He spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank Thee that I am not as other men as are, as extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even as this publican. I fast in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not look so much his eyes up to he unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to this house justified rather than the other, and everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. It says that one man went down to his house, justified and the the other didn't and of course we know i i believe i'm confident when i speak this in this body in this assembly that we have an understanding that we're not not talking about being justified or being righteous before god right. but in our mind's eye after we gather today from worship how are you going to feel about yourself Amen. Yeah. if you came today yes. to put another check Mark, on the list of doing righteous things before God, we will walk away with a greater feeling of unrighteousness. Amen. That's right, brother. But if we've come today recognizing that we cannot in and of ourselves stand before God, Amen. that our righteousnesses, our good works, are as filthy Amen. rags. Yes. And yet we draw nigh to the Lord yes. and worship and praise Him. Yes. We'll go home today justified. Amen. Amen. With a clear understanding that we have a good standing before God, not because I've met some requirement, but because Christ is the fulfillment of all requirements for His children. Amen. Amen. And in looking at this idea before us, given us in this parable, I think as inspired Scripture has before us, that He gives us two examples very quickly yeah. of both men uh, as we look at this. And the first one that I'm sure you're familiar, familiar with is the rich young ruler that comes to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And in verse 18, He says, A certain ruler asked Him, saying, Good Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Mm 
And this would have been, and, and you know, sometimes we get that question in our lives where we get questions from folks and, and they're important and they're good questions. This is a good question. Yeah. You know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Right. And, you know, contained within this question, we see, I believe, some, some misunderstanding of, of how you obtain eternal life. Amen. And yet, so, some understanding. <laughs> he uses a very important word there that we heard about in Brother Mike's sermon, the word inherit. Yeah. That because we are adopted into his family, we inherit yeah. the blessings that God has for his children. Right. We inherit eternal life. Yeah. But his question is, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's right. <laughs> I had a wonderful aunt who's gone on to glory. But do you know in her will, she chose to give what she had. To the, she didn't have any children, didn't have any family. And in her will, she chose to give what she had to a charity. I'm thankful for it. But you know, there was no way for any of us after the fact to come back and say, you know, I'd like to be in her will. Right. Yeah. For the choice of who was in her will was hers Amen. to make. Right. And so the choice in um, giving eternal life to his children was in God to make. Amen. Yeah, that's right. And because, uh, and as Brother Mike so clearly explained, that when we talk about adoption, we talk about um, election and topics like this, this isn't about a little handful of folks, folks, uh, but it is of an enormous host of people out of every nation, tribe, and tongue Amen. of people. That means where man draws a line, God's people are on both sides. Where man draws a line to say these are the Lord's people and these aren't, that means God's people are on both sides of that line. The only one that can draw that line is God himself. And it's an innumerable host of people. And that encourages me. That just makes me stand in awe at the great mercy and grace and goodness of our God. So this man in coming, he says, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Of course, Jesus is able to read this man's mind. Jesus is able to know what this man needs. If I were talking with this man, I'd be real tempted to say is nothing. As I just said, there's nothing that you can do to inherit eternal life. But he comes at it from his perspective. Yeah. And that's important with talking with other folks. There's so many perspectives out in this world. He comes at it from, the, from this man's perspective and what he needs to see. And Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? None is good save one, that is God. That means no one meets the standard that God has except for God himself. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and mother. And he said, all these things have I kept from my youth up. That would be so hard for me to say. Oh, yeah. Me too. I've known those commandments and praise the Lord from my youth up. I confess to you, I have not kept them from my youth up. But Jesus heard these things. He said unto them, Yet lackest thou one thing, sell all that thou hast, distribute it unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. One of the commandments, as you know, I know that this is a well-preached place in Scripture, and I'm thankful for it. One of the commandments that you know that he left out in that first list yeah. is thou shalt not covet. Right. And he points out in glaring terms to this man that he had a problem with covetousness. Yeah. Yeah. 
And this covetousness was keeping him from following the Lord. And this also displayed unto him that he had fallen short of keeping God's commandments. You know, the law was never given to us that we might understand that we are righteous before God. The law was given that we might understand that we are unrighteous before God. It was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. And I am so excited to see so many young folks. I'm a high school teacher as well, so it makes me excited to get to preach in front of a group of young folks. But you know, the goal for you is not to stay in school. That's right. You don't want to become a lifelong, and we can be students of God's Word lifelong, but you don't want to be stuck in the educational system for your whole life. And you don't want to be stuck under the law for your whole life either. Because the law was given to teach us a valuable lesson to, to show us that we need a Savior. And His name is Jesus Christ. We have a Savior. But we don't want to stay under the law. We want to experience the grace and the freedom that there is in knowing that Christ has fulfilled the law for us. Amen. And he teaches this man this lesson that he has fallen short of the righteousness of God. And when he had heard this, he was very sorrowful. This man was very sorrowful for it. He was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And then They that heard it said, who then can be saved? I believe he begins shifting in these verses from teaching the lesson that this individual needed to the broader lesson to the group that was around of of what we need to understand. Um, And even yet trying to shift this man's attention off of his eternal home and onto the priorities at hand and his timely salvation. Amen. Uh, because I believe that's where truly following Christ has its blessings yes. and has its benefits is in this time world. And he says that here's this man that has great riches. Folks, that's us today. It's us today. And I've never met the majority of you before in my life. And you say, well, you don't know what's in my bank account. But I know where you live, as we've heard, that we're blessed to be in America. Right. We're blessed. And if you look at our quality of living and compare it to kings of generations before, folks, we've got it good. We live in a blessed age. We, I can pull up on my cell phone some podcasts from Alabama. They're pretty awesome, right? <laughs> I can pull up and I can listen to some singing from Alabama. It's pretty awesome. I've done both before I've come out here. Yeah. Y'all are blessed here. Spiritually, you're blessed here naturally. But the blessings can become a distraction to following the Savior. The riches of this life can distract us from following our Lord. And here this man with great riches became distracted from following his Lord. Y'all, we have cell phones, right? Did this activity one time with, oh, you're wondering why a person from California says (laughs) y'all. 
I just made to think about that. Nobody else speaks like that in, in California. I've been to Texas once or twice, and it caught on, and I used it in my classroom at school one time, and it got everybody's attention, and they're like, why'd you say y'all? You're supposed to say you guys. That's what we say in California. And I've used it ever since. And it probably doesn't capture your attention like it does folks in California. But it's been useful for me on a time or two. We all have these things called cell phones. And if you ever want to be convicted that riches can distract you from God, I remember back when I didn't have a smartphone, I was a holdout. An elder told me, well, you know, you can have the Bible on your phone. And your Bible's then just right. And, you know, that's a tremendous blessing, right? We don't have giant scrolls. We even have great books like these, but then we have them yet on our little phones. And that'll be a great blessing to your study. You know, having the cell phone in your pocket, you're able to look at the Bible anytime. You want to be convicted, and it's kind of scary how much they track. It'll tell you how much time you spend in each app. And you open it up. That's why I was telling y'all, I'm glad that there's no service in some of these parts. <laughs> you open it up and you see what percentage of time I'm in Blue Letter Bible or whatever app you use. And what percentage of time is Facebook. That'll convict you. But it's, it's an easy way for you to see that the blessings of this time, which can be so gracious and good for us in drawing nigh unto the Lord, can also distract us from following the Lord. And that's the case of this man. And he went away very sorrowful, for he, for he was rich. And some would tell you that he isn't a child of God. But as you've heard before, and I want you to know we believe this out in California too. This man was a child of God. In the account of Mark, the 10th chapter, says that Jesus, beholding him, loved him. Amen. Jeremiah 31 tells us that God has loved us with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. If God has ever loved you, He will always love you. And the good news of Scripture is that it tells us that He loved us before the foundation of the world. Before we had done good or evil, Christ set His affection upon His people. And that is an unchangeable love that will last for all eternity. You know, that's the reason why Christ came into this world, because the Father had children that He loved. And those children needed to be redeemed. And those that the Father loved before the foundation of the world are the same that Christ came to die for upon the cross. Jesus said, I came down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. And this was the Father's will that has sent me, that of all that he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but raise it up again at the last day. And so each and every one that was loved before the foundation of the world, Christ came and died for. And then in his grace and his mercy and in his love for us, he sends forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, that communicates to us in a deeper way than words can, that we are the children of the Heavenly Father and we are loved by Him. 
And that's the same people that were loved before the foundation of the world that Christ died for upon the cross and that are regenerated and given eternal life solely by the working of the Holy Spirit in their hearts. And he says, how hardly. So folks, this, this man was a child of God. And yet he walked away very sorrowful. Very sorrowful. And folks, I am just so excited by the joy that's in this room. Yeah. Yesterday when Brother Buddy showed me this building, it's not the same that's right. with just him and me in here. That's right. It's just a building. That's right. It's a building the Lord's blessed you with, as is the next one next door. Oh, but when you walk in and you see brothers and sisters in Christ, brothers and sisters in the Lord, this is a family gathering. Amen. And I've never met you and probably don't have any real blood relation to you, but I feel like your family. Amen, brother. The family of our Lord and Savior, right. Jesus Christ. And the blood relation we have is the blood of Christ. Amen. And he says, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through the needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom, to the kingdom of God. What he's saying is here's this man that has all the advantages of life. He'd be able to read. He'd have access to the greatest teacher. He'd have all these advantages of life. And he says all these advantages are actually his greatest disadvantage. Mm. These blessings and these riches don't help us get into heaven. That's right. right. Amen. They also can distract us from pressing into his kingdom Amen. here on earth. Amen. Sometimes we're criticized by what we believe that Christ redeems his elect. And the other methods of salvation that are sometimes spoken of in this world, I struggle with because there are folks who have, if that is true, have a very clear, distinct advantage mm -hmm. over others. Yeah, that's right. To have a church on every corner, that's a distinct advantage, would that's it right. not be? Mm -hmm. yeah. To have Bibles printed in your native tongue, that's a distinct advantage. Yeah. And sometimes we're charged with not being fair. <laughs> but I don't see that being very fair either. Amen. To be born into a Christian home, praise the Lord for that. Amen. Being taken to church, praise the Lord for that. Yeah. But all those advantages don't help me to get into heaven Amen. any more than a person who is under different circumstances. Right. That's right. Amen. He says, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? He says it's easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye. And I don't want to spend too much time on that because uh, Jesus Christ himself interprets that verse. He says it's an impossibility. That's right. He's yeah. setting forth an impossible situation. Right. It is impossible for one to establish his righteousness through the law. It's easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they that heard it have the same reaction I would have is who then can be saved? Yeah. And of course, we rejoice in the next verse when he says, and he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with Amen. God. Amen. It is impossible for us 
to establish our righteousness with God. Right. It's not impossible for God. He did it Amen. when Amen. He sent His Son to die for us upon the cross of Calvary. Right. And He accomplished our salvation when He says, It is finished. Amen. But I tell you what, brothers and sisters, I am encouraged today because sometimes when I'm in California of all places, and I know California has a reputation. <laughs> Y'all come visit with us. I think you'd feel at home in, in our Amen. church. Amen. You've been with us, brother, at Lindsay. Good to yes. see you again. Yes. Where was I going with that? <laughs> I honestly don't remember. <laughs> he says these things are impossible with men. There's a point. I'll come back to it. But they're possible with God. I remember it now. Thank the Lord. <laughs> Sometimes I get discouraged in California. Because the culture's so far away from the kingdom in many regards. Right. And I'm just guessing y'all might get discouraged here as well. Sometimes you look at the culture it's so far away from the kingdom of God. And you ask yourself the question, how is it possible for those living in this culture with their preconceptions and ideas that have been ingrained within them from birth and the importance of riches and the value placed on wealth and position in society, how is it possible for those children of God who are wrapped up and entangled within all the affairs of this life, how is it possible for them to see the beauty of the kingdom and to press into it? Oh, with man, it's not possible. But with God, all things are possible. And just as I believe he, he's, he's trying to shift this man's perspective from looking at and worrying about his eternal salvation to taking heed to following after Christ in this life, as well as the, the surrounding um, audience that is here. And I'll just make this point that when you hear the gospel of your salvation, it is that that should assure your hearts before God. First Thessalonians and chapter one, verse five says, our gospel came not unto you only uh, in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. One of the characteristics of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that when it's delivered, it assures our heart before God. It, as we heard, it testifies with the Spirit of God that was given to us, and even God's Spirit itself, that we are the children of God. It's that which gives us assurance before God. Remember, go back to the parable that we're considering. Which, uh, which man would the, the rich man, I believe, identify with? Is he not an example of a Pharisee who's trying to justify himself before God. And he went to his house, how? Sorrowful. Realizing he wasn't just before God. And I don't want us to go home sorrowful today. We should go home rejoicing when we come to the house of the Lord. And you know, even the disciples said, who then can be saved? We just left off on that question. Who then can hear the gospel and come in and, and, and rejoice in the Lord's kingdom yet in today's day? But don't remind yourself that 
the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. We can go away not rejoicing. But we have a great God who's yet at work among His people. He's yet giving people eternal life throughout all walks of this life. The same Spirit that you and I have testifies the same way in their hearts that it does in mine. And they're able and capable of receiving the good news from a far country, that gospel message. And he says, Peter said, Lo, we have left all and followed thee. And he said unto him, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house, or parents, or brethren, or wife, or children, and for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive manifold more in this present time, and in the world to come, life everlasting. If you don't see a distinction between the blessings and benefits of following the Lord in this present life, and then eternal life, I ask you to consider this verse before us. That he says that when you do leave house and parents and wives and children for the kingdom of God's sake, he says that there are blessings in this present time. Blessings like this weekend. Blessings like the fellowships of one another in his kingdom that you just can't enumerate and you just can't count. And in the world to come, life everlasting. You know, that was accomplished by God Himself, through His Son, Jesus Christ. Now what about that example then of the man who went to his house justified? Here was a rich man who who failed to enter into the kingdom of God. And I remember preaching on this a while back and um, a preacher came to me afterwards and he said, you know, if you, and I didn't preach out of Luke. I preached out of Matthew when I did it. He says, you know, if you go to Luke and you go to the next chapter, there's an example of a rich man who did enter into the kingdom of God. Let's read in chapter 19. Just a little further down. Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans. That's a tax collector, not the most popular people. In his day or in ours. And he was rich. He wasn't just a tax collector. He was chief. That's a great position of status and and of wealth. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and he could not for the press because he was little of stature. He was a wealthy man, but he didn't have the height. We all have shortcomings, don't we? That's a literal shortcoming, as I said. That's right. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass this way. Hold on a second. The chief of publicans, this little short man, if he's the chief of publicans, he's not a little short young man. He's a little short older man. Right who has an established career right. in tax collection. Yeah. Folks, this wasn't socially acceptable behavior right. yeah. any more than it is today. Right. This little short man, he goes up and he runs up and he climbs into this tree. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen anyone over 40 climb into a tree? <laughs> Yesterday, I climbed into a tree. We broke into Brother Tim's treehouse. <laughs> haven't met Brother Tim, but I've seen his treehouse. It's almost to the point I'm almost old enough that, and I'll just use you, Brother Buddy, as an example. He was with me. He didn't go to the top level. <laughs> He's a little older. But here's this man 
and he climbs up into a tree. What were they saying about him? That poor short man, he can't see. That foolish man, well, I'm not going to eat dinner with him anymore. Well, he's out of our social circle. Has he gone off the deep end? You know, I'm all for following God and learning about God, but just keep it in control. Religion's good until it just goes too far. Do you hear those things in our world? Once I was, took a friend with me in the car and he looked at my CDs. He's like, oh, what music you listen to? Well, Elder Mike Ivey, Elder... <laughs> they were sermon CDs. I was like, well, that's good. But where's your hard rock CD? <laughs> Don't go off the deep end in religion. Folks, you're keeping yourself out of the kingdom of God. Amen. Press into the kingdom of God and forget what other people are saying. Amen. This man had sight of that. And he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him because he wanted to see Jesus Christ. Amen. He didn't know exactly who he was, Amen. but he heard about him. Amen. And he just wanted a glimpse Amen. of Christ. Amen. What would you do just for a glimpse of your Savior? Sometimes I go through life and it seems like I haven't seen him in a while. And sometimes that means that I need to do something to be able to see him again. Sometimes that means I need to make a radical change in my life to be able to see him and approach unto him again. Sometimes that means I need to stop looking at myself and worrying about what others think of me and just climb the tree to see Christ. Whatever that tree is. Jesus came to that place. He looked up and he saw him. Don't you know there was a multitude? But he saw Zacchaeus and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Oh, we climb the tree and we say, Lord, just give me a glimpse. And then he opens the windows of heaven. And He pours us out blessings that we are not able to contain. And Jesus comes to this man's house. And this man, he's wrestling with some things. You know, he wasn't popular in his community before, and he wasn't popular after. We don't need to seek the popularity of man, but the presence of our God. He made haste and came down and received Him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be with a guest, to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. You know, that was Zacchaeus' reputation. He was a sinner. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ is the friend of sinners? Those are the ones that he comes and he sups with and he fellowships with in this life. And if you see yourself as a sinner, that's good news because Christ will bless you with his presence. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and I have taken anything from any man by false accusation. I restore, I restore him 
fourfold. And on the surface, you almost think, and think back to the parable that we started with, with the Pharisee who's trying to justify himself before God. Clearly, the rich young ruler uh, falls in that category. But when you read that verse about Zacchaeus, you almost think that Zacchaeus falls in that category as well. They say, Lord, I do this, and Lord, I do that. But what he's addressing is the public's opinion of him. He's, he's saying here, I've got a reputation of being a sinner in this community, but I'm doing everything that I can. If I give my, of my goods to the poor, I know I'm wealthy. I give half of all my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And he says, I just can't establish my righteousness before my community. They're still just calling me a sinner. Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Here to this man, he refocuses attention, I believe, and he says, you know, you're not going to convince the world around you and your focus shouldn't be on convincing the world around you that you're not a sinner. That you are righteous before God. You know, that courtroom matters, I believe, the least Amen. as we consider. Amen. The law doesn't establish our righteousness in our own eyes. Sometimes it doesn't establish our righteousness in front of other folks. But praise be to the Lord that this man received a more important lesson. Though your reputation out in the world may never match, match it, there's a truth that is unshakable that you stand righteous before God. He says, this day is salvation come to this house. And that's about as literal as you can make it. Jesus Christ came to his house. And he says, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. If you've lost your reputation, don't worry about the reputation you have with man consider that you have a good reputation with God because of what Christ has done. And view it with clarity that our righteousness isn't of ourselves, but it's of the Lord. You know, that's one of the the names that was given to God in the Old Testament. The Lord, our righteousness. The Lord, our righteousness. Does Zacchaeus fit the publican who standing afar off would not so much as lift up his eyes into heaven but smote upon his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I've tried to even straighten out my life in this world and I still have a bad reputation. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Amen. 
Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased. Anytime we begin to think too much of ourselves, the Lord is faithful and He's good to lower us. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. We realize that we're sinners gathered together this morning. And I love it that that fact didn't keep us away from worship. Because the only way I can worship the Lord in this time world is as a sinner. Amen. I bet you, I'll just confess, I know I even sinned this morning. And why didn't I then just pack up my Bible and say, they need a better preacher than a sinner from California? Because we have an understanding and a blessed hope that we're righteous before God. Amen. This morning you stand as righteous as Jesus Christ before yes. God the Amen. Father. That's right. Not because of anything that you have done, but because of what Christ has done for you. Amen. With man, righteousness is impossible. Yes. But with God, all things are possible. Amen. I appreciate your kind attention and this blessing to worship with you this morning. Amen. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Peace and love.